0: Thank you all for joining us here today. Um, I hope you all are doing well amongst power cuts and everything. So please also bear with our internet connections as well. Um, But my name is Emma and I'm the communications Jedi um, for Good Life X. Um, And we're really, really excited to have you all um, here this evening for the fourth session of the regenerating a creative future conversation series. Um, This series of five conversations is brought to you by the Creative Economy Program at the British Council Sri Lanka. Um, and Good Life X working in partnership with British Council's program, Making Matters, our media partners at Roar Media um, and our industry expert, Linali Rodrigo. Uh, tonight's session is focused on the intercultural dynamics effect on building more inclusive, creative economies. Um, so we will be discussing if the process um, of intercultural dynamics, collaboration, dialogue, co-design faith and identity um, help to build a more inclusive, creative, Um, and sustainable economies. Um, And of course, we will be discussing a way forward as well. Um, I'm honored to present to you the speakers for tonight, two of which um, are Good Life X alums, so really proud. Um, We will be hearing from Imad Majid. He's the director and curator of Kacha Kacha. Um, Sital Salenki, the founder and director of Matter um, in the UK. Lonali Rodrigo, the founder and lead designer of House of Lonali, and Nicholas Kiro um director of Kalam and Jaffna. Um, and we have our moderator here, Alifia Mutaher, who is a co-founder of Local Forecast. Um, so, without further ado, I will pass it off to um, Alifia to get the discussion started. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you, Emma. Uh, hi, everybody, and welcome to this conversation today. I've—it's—it's uh, it's an exciting and a really diverse set of for speakers that we have today. Uh, So I think today through the conversation, we'll also look at unpacking what each of these different roles mean in the creative industry. And like when we speak about the creative industry itself, how it encompasses these many things and through in each of their positions, how in collaboration with other industries, we can make the creative industries also a part of the larger economy and the role it plays Uh, in shaping the directions that we are going in here in Sri Lanka. So for the format uh, in today's conversation, Emma, thank you for the uh, brief introductions. I'm going to allow each of the speakers themselves to introduce you to themselves through some of their own work. And then we will move into more of a conversational aspect, and then lastly ending with Q and A's that come from you. So like Emma mentioned, please feel free to drop in your questions in the chat throughout whenever they come up and we'll collect some of, uh, I think, yeah, with the help of the team, we'll collect some of them and bring them up into the conversation itself. So to start us off, I'm going to invite, uh, give me a second, I'm gonna share my screen with you all. And firstly, invite Gonali to introduce us to this image and what it means to her from her perspective. Hi, Lonali.
2: Hi. Uh, hi, everybody. Good evening. And um, so I'm just to pick this uh, picture because I see and believe that there's a beauty in every flow. And then that's where I can get the ideas and I create the beautiful product. So. Uh, this reflects exactly the material and the inspiration behind my creations and then also the outcome, uh, a product from House of Lonali. So that's basically a simple introduction to myself.
3: Okay, cool.
1: I mean, I think to do justice to Lonali's work, it's more than just a clothing brand. So I'm going to say a little bit more because I think <laughs> she's uh, giving yourself the most humble introduction. I think it's also through Lonali's work more than just the brand, like the brand itself has been one of the, the primary brands that really brought upcycling and these ideas of circularity in fashion to the forefront in a Sri Lankan context. And, and beyond that, it's the partnerships, I think that you have Lonali that you've done with much larger companies in Sri Lanka and maybe even beyond that, Said that these ideas have also then been translated into what does circularity mean in larger manufacturing industries here in sri lanka and even maybe in the craft sector and things like that um so yeah i think all of that brings real value to the work you've done and also to this conversation
2: thank, thank you, you alifia for adding that bit.
1: <laughs> no i think yeah it's like yeah i think it's deserved here uh next we're gonna invite Sita Solanki, who is joining us from the UK right now, if I'm not mistaken. So please join in, Sita.
3: Hi everyone, uh, evening. It's a real pleasure to be joining all of you uh, from London. And so this image here I have in front, you have in front of you, is a book that I wrote in 2018 called "Why Materials Matter." So I really wanted to. Bring a sense of surprise, delight, and a larger awareness as to like what a material is and has the potential to be, and really like widen the vocabulary around, around that. And mostly materials have existed primarily within academia and sciences. And they have very specific ways of like translating what materials are in their own kind of vernaculars whereas like when you think about what a material is and who actually interacts with them it's every one of us because everything is made from something so how do we kind of build that bridge to kind of like help people relate to the material world in a more kind of like meaningful way and so i've really presented materials in a way which feels like it bridges those worlds together and making it relatable and accessible to a layman or anybody that kind of isn't working within those spaces of academia and science. I'm a designer, I've been trained as a textile designer for many years but have worked across lots of different disciplines such as architecture, automotive, fashion and and all of the in-between science even and Food um, many things so what you also see surrounding um, oh actually, one I wanted to say is like within this book you'll start to kind of discover materials that are made from DNA, so pig's blood that has actually been used as a plasticizer, so once you bake it, it can actually be formed as like a plastic, and that's something that's actually very ancient and um, it's just being brought to life in height. It's a provocative kind of like challenge of presenting a material that feels like unseen in some way and like bringing something to the surface that perhaps is unseen to an everyday uh, context. And you also see bacteria that's kind of made from, like extracted from soil that is providing like a, a dye for textiles. And so all of these materials you see surrounding the book are bookends. So I commissioned the people that I featured in the book to make a bookend from the material that I've written about and to bring some physicality to it. And therefore like the book supports the material and the material supports the book. So there's this kind of ongoing dialogue that happens and things are brought into the physical. And so, yeah. That's kind of a bit of a summary as to like how I kind of work.
1: Thanks, Eva. This is also, I think, really interesting because specifically from a material angle only, we don't hear that conversation as much beyond. I think in the fashion space, at least in Sri Lanka, that conversation happens like openly, but beyond that, we don't really hear that as often in terms of how do we, in materials as a central element itself. So this is exciting to into Sri Lankan conversation here. Next, I'm going to invite Nicholas from Kalam to uh, introduce his work and what he's working
0: on.
4: Uh, Hi. Hello, everyone. Uh, I am um, Nicholas from Jaffna. Mm. Uh, we found, uh, I'm working now with Callum, a cultural encounter from Jaffna. Uh, it's a space called to do, uh, um, to work with artists and the contemporary artists and the performers and uh, writers, creative writers, filmmakers and lots of people. Um, and we are working together with the um, architects also. Um, before 2020, uh, I worked as a freelance art manager last um, nine to 10 years in, based in Jaffna, but I worked some projects in Colombo also. Mm, now I am working in uh, Jaffna University uh, in the finance department also. And um, for this image or this slide talks about uh, the Kalam leader program. Uh, the early of the COVID periods, we did a program to digital uh, cultural encounters of the own courtyard. It means we are invite artists from uh, Jaffna or those who are migrated or uh, those who are migrated from Jaffna to other uh, European countries or other uh, other part of the world. We invited them to share their experience and their works, and um, um, that session have three different. Topics: It's one called memory and second one is heritage. The third one migrant identity. It's like uh, 15 days. every day they are shared their own experience. We visited their studio or from, if they are from Jaffna, we visited their studio. otherwise we'll doing Zoom session and record it and uh, put it uh, in the YouTube online. Uh, why I am sharing about this image is especially from the Tamil region or from the Jaffna, there are lots of artists um, in Jaffna, and there are lots of artists in um, those who are migrated in uh, different countries, but there are no connection between them uh, mostly. Um, from my past experience, like Anuk and Senturan um, or Sara McAllay, um, even Anjalendran, there are lots of people from um, away from Jaffna or away from Sri Lanka. They, they don't have lots of connection between the local people. So the aim of this program is making or introducing uh, the broader way of artists, those who are speaking Tamil or related to Tamil to Tamil society or Jaffna society. Uh, So that's why I shared uh, this image with you. Thank you so much to invite me to share about Kalam and about my works. Thank
1: you, Nicholas. This is great to hear. I'm also looking forward to hearing more about the work that you're doing at it, Kala itself. Uh, and next, I'm going to invite Imad, are you with us? Are you able to, Imad was having some trouble with internet, but I think you here now.
5: Yes, I had to conduct a seance with the signals. Um, yeah, so I guess I just introduced introduce myself a bit, Um, my name is Imad Majid and I'm a cultural practitioner, I work as the director and curator of Kacha Kacha, which which is a new platform that supports musicians outside of the mainstream in Sri Lanka and my work is quite focused on um, and using language as a way across the island and thinking about like um, what you know the differences or specificity is of living.
1: Imad, we're losing your audio a tiny bit, but most of it's coming through. But there's just glitches, just a up. Maybe I will I will give a little bit more of context to Imad's work as well um, until he joins us, and hopefully his connection is getting better. Um, so with, I think a couple of things like Imad's work with as a cultural producer in the creative space, his work is also really well recognized already, and is fairly well established. And I think Imad as a director of Kacha, Kacha they aim to bring together trilingual artists who perform mm, like non-traditional and unconventional formats that we don't usually see in a Sri Lankan context. And looking at what does it mean when they are brought together in dialogue with each other in usually working class bars and spaces that also then bring Open up spaces in the city in new ways, and how we experience Colombo city, and also as the city changes and develops, how do we start retaining and creating memory and relationships with these places? And beyond that, IMAR is also involved in Tatu Patu, which is a recent initiative that they have formed with the Girtha Institute, with the support of the Goethe Institute which is highlighting the work of, and documenting the work of multiple different musicians across the country. Um, So hopefully we'll get to hear more of his work once we are back. Uh, So that's a little bit of an introduction to our speakers. Thank you all for sharing. Uh, And this leads me to directing more questions and hearing more from you all about this work. And when we are thinking about today's conversation is looking at the idea of when we think about creative industry, how does it situate itself amongst each other? Cause when we hear from all four of you itself, they're very different places in the creative industry, but then even beyond that, what does it mean for the creative, like people to collaborate and work through the creative industry in partnering with the other, like the broader ecosystem that exists as a way to strengthen the ecosystem, but also when you think about circularity and regeneration, these partnerships are what also helps sustain these things, how do we feed each other and how do we keep bringing this work in through in like creative ways and finding new formats to bring creative work into the broad industry. Uh, and making this more inclusive in terms of not just. Minorities, but it's like when we speak about inclusive, it can in Sri Lankan context, it means many things it's like regionally like geographically in terms of the type of work that we're also highlighting. Um, So I think each of you bring in like very different aspects to this. Uh, So starting us off, Lonali, I'm going to I'd like to hear more about the work you do itself is very much this conversation around circularity and is all built on this premise of sustainability. And it's not even like a conversation. I think after a point, it's not even a thing that it's like it's sustainable. It's like that's the fundamental premise of it. What do you build beyond that on top of that? It would be nice to hear. I think people are familiar with your brand and in Sri Lanka especially and recognize your work. But what we don't really get to see is the work that happens beyond that. Through these fundamental principles that you have on circularity, how does that affect the partnerships you build or the collaborations that you have beyond the fashion and the brand itself? So can you tell us a little bit of how maybe this ethos has influenced and shaped some of the partnerships and what does that look like in your work?
2: Yeah, so um, like I said, we're kind of very, people know us for the product, maybe it's a shoe. But what people, the consumer or the people really don't know is what really goes behind it. It's the processes, it's the people, um, it's the design, the ideas. It can be the design of circular designing, it can be the creativity. At the same time, there is a lot of uh, um, hard work, passion that goes into a product that we create. Finally, I think what also consumers don't see is the voice, uh, their voice, the product actually gives them a voice also. Uh, so these are the things that I think is embedded beyond uh, uh, just what you see. Uh, if you take our shoe or if, uh, like you said, it's not the fashion, so what, whatever we do. So going back and also the impact that we create through these processes. Uh, so if I take these each word slightly uh, to express how we take it forward is processes, like how we uh, um, uh, process the circular mindset to circular strategies, how we design, or we ideate something. Um, And then um, the impact that we create at each stage in sourcing a number of ways that we collect uh, for the two uh, 10 years, uh, we probably collect about 4,000 kilograms of waste, Uh, last two years, we've uh, reduced uh, 706 uh, carbon emission, uh, reduced reduction. Um, So what we have in the product is all combination of all this. And then we have the, um, the, the attachment that is built on the brand, the story that we give, it's not anymore the product, but how we attach people uh, to the story, how we bridge the gap between the maker, people behind the product, and then uh, communicate that to the consumer through the product. Uh, And that beyond that, I mean, after the wearer wears it, and then you communicate it to another person. So it's all embedded in the product. I think this is everything that is embedded or beyond you see what you see in our product, basically.
1: And I'm curious to also hear beyond, like there's a lot of partnerships that you have made that you do through maybe in a consultancy model. How has that, those conversations with the partners that you work with also... Created ripple effects of introducing circularity in the work that they do. that like that would be also great to hear a little bit more about.
2: So I'd like to put these partners and collaborators into different sort of into tiers, right? One is the backward tiers, which is our, uh, our one is our sourcing partners. So who have waste basically, they become our direct partners because they source. Uh, uh, they give us the waste. Uh, sometimes they are, they become our clients as well. Um, but mainly there the partnership becomes uh, that sometimes in sort of a collaborative partners. These are not just sometimes corporates uh, who have this, but these are also sometimes uh, livelihood who sell waste, who, people who sell different types of collect, segregate and sell waste. These are all our partners in sourcing side. Then we have the makers. These, uh, I would actually not call them our partners or collaborators, even though they are, but they're more like family who actually uh, upcycles the product. So it can be the community. Sometimes it's the traditional artisans. Um, and sometimes just the skilled women at home, you know, they, they can actually need something. They can do some embroidery at home. You know, they, have, they just want to earn extra income uh, by being a part of our value chain. So these, this is the back end here. And then we have the forward uh, uh, people Well, there are clients, corporates. So what we try to do is we, are, we sit in between and try to connect these dots basically. And how we do it with the corporate is we, we try to, basically one good example is a recent, most recent project that we did with Sri Lankan Airlines where we, they had waste, um, they had a waste aircraft Uh, I think not the aircraft, but they had uh, they were giving out an aircraft and the interior was all branded, Uh, so they had to throw it out burn it because it's mainly it's branded. Uh, So that waste was given to us, it was very challenging really fun. Um, We took that we designed so. Our, our job is the creative side of it. We, we want to think uh, creatively, want to de- design something. We we also think, okay, not just using the waste, but also how do we make it a better product, uh, a better product, product for the consumer as well. You know, we just don't want to produce something, you know, that is not needed to this world. So we start off with that point and we design something, we work uh, with the makers and then we give it back to, uh, uh uh in this case we gave it back to sri lankan airlines uh, so so what we take is to cooperate especially our clients so we have the retail partner a retail uh, like the consumers but what is most important is right now for us is we are looking at a sort of a corporate clients who who doesn't think this way who who, who really didn't like think uh, waste can be brought back to life Uh, it had uh, financial benefit, Uh, it had uh, uh, marketing benefit, you know, Uh, the marketing department is super happy to uh, talk about it, right? So how each one saw the value of our process. So we are working with sort of, you know, taking it to different partners, it's, it's not just we're looking at uh, a particular type of partnership, but anyone who is uh, willing to, Add in that sustainability, circularity, uh, 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 bring waste management into you know, a more sort of look, it, look at it in a creative uh, way. Um, so those partnerships, those partners are really valued. At the same time, I think very important to say the peers who are uh, also another bunch of partners we have, it's the like-minded brands uh colombo design market the retailers who are also helping like uh, who are also promoting sustainability uh, uh design uh, uh circularity to actually uh, you know it's so five years ago it was different but right now the peers are really like strong and uh, it helps to make a bigger voice. So I think those partnerships also helps to take the whole holistically, like pitch it, you know, pitch it to a go and corporate say, it's not just me doing it anymore, but this is here, everybody is doing it, you know. There's a whole, whole bunch of people who are like changing the uh, world, right? So that I think that pa- all these partnerships have helped me in three different ways, like from the back end to the forward and the peer.
1: Cool, that's yeah, this is really like okay, this is really nice and well-rounded. Thank you for sharing this. This gives me like also a much broader understanding of what how you frame a lot of the work you're doing. This this brings me to Sita. I'm curious to hear Lonali speaking about this from very much what partnerships and things look like in a Sri Lankan context. And when we're trying to bring here very much textile-based materials to the central part of a conversation. I'm curious to hear in your practice and your in your work, the material, and when you say material, I think it's beyond just, I think it's like broad the definition of what we speak about when we mean material. Uh, so I'm curious to hear how, how might we at least think about making this more of a central conversation in, in Sri Lanka, and beyond with the users, how do they start recognizing the The value of these materials in their everyday basis like in their everyday context because right now it's like we aren't thinking about the life cycles of each material beyond it like i think in textiles that does happen a bit but beyond like in the other objects that we are interacting with maybe that isn't i'm curious to hear how you negotiate this what are the type of conversations you are having with the brands that you work with and i've seen really interesting projects workshops that you're doing with much broader, like bigger projects with like Nike and things like that. So what does, what do those conversations look like? And how do you see, I mean, I'm curious to see in relation to what Lonali is also saying, how your experiences might differ.
3: Yeah, thank you. Um, it's really insightful to hear your perspective Lonali because it's the same here. <laughs> it's, um, it, there's so many parallels. And what you're what you've just shared, and also like what um, the complexities are. You know, at the end of the day, where we exist in a complex space and in a very complex world. And I think that needs to be more acceptable rather than feeling like we have to reduce everything to make it digestible for a consumer or for others. And I think that it's really about the way that we communicate these stories and these processes. And it's also about like who it's for and like how we share those stories because I think the fashion industry is a very layered and complex world. And same with, and when you add textiles on top of that, it's even more complex. And so, I mean, I've worked in those industries for many, many years. And so I understand like the, angles and like layers and dimensions at which you have to kind of work within Um, so I think there's one side complexity needs to be more acceptable and then another side is also about like how we translate those life cycles those processes and also outcomes and also depends on who we're speaking to so therefore the language differs in terms of like who we're actually trying to like involve within these conversations because these conversations happen outside of the design sector for example you know we can't just live in this bubble of like designers speaking to designers and that's the only space we exist in we have to speak to farmers, we have to speak to agriculturalists, we have to speak to, because that's where like the textiles actually originate from. What what language do they speak? It's very different to say how a designer speaks. Maybe we also need to speak to an environmentalist, an economist, um, someone in production, for example. And those conversations are so varied. And I've even like, changed my title instead of calling myself a designer i actually call myself a translator and if you think about like how materials are a conduit between all sectors and everybody and all the in between we're a conduit and i consider myself a translator because i have to speak to so many different people but also like also have to translate materials into lots of different spaces and so really it's about like what stories we should be sharing or want to be sharing and who it's for but also there's many conversations to be had in these spaces and the various languages that need to be spoken and understood but i wouldn't just limit it to vocal or written for me it's multiple expressions you know like when you think about how we can translate a material it can be like soft it can be solid it can be like um, liquid there's so many forms of expression that these materials can be like realized so that's a whole other language in itself and so on one side we have to speak to materials or listen to them but also like understand their potential within these spaces as well so it's a conversation with People, but also with materials. And like, how do we kind of like start to have that kind of intersection emerging? And how do they start speaking to each other? It's not just through voice, it's also through process, it's also through other people from other I- industries, and like how that can be kind of reimagined so that we are being more holistic in our mindset and also our approach. So It's a really wide, complex conversation. And within the textile and fashion industry, it's deeply layered and you have to go from like where it's grown to where it ends up and like who's accountable for where it ends up. And that's a whole other conversation, a very political one, but um, it's still part of the same story. So at what point do we start to kind of realize who's responsible, who's accountable, how do we share these stories and who is it for? So it's very wide, but I hope that's kind of at least a little stab at like trying to um, respond to something that feels like it's generative, you know, it's always evolving, I think this.
1: Do you have a recent project or example where you had of this idea of like the stories that you can create of the materials. Is there something that you've recently worked on or like navigated or in a, like in this translation what that might have looked like?
3: Sure. yeah, um, maybe I can express it in this way as well. It's um, everything that we do is trying to really unravel and unpack what something is made of and so that can be a place an object a person and it's very metaphorical but it's also very practical so there's this project we had in bali with a hotel called potato head and so we were invited to basically map the island of its materials and craftspeople and skills and really understand like how that can be integrated and implemented into the hotel's like interior like it's, it's makeup basically so having navigated all of that and um, understanding like how to maybe like process plastic There's much of it there. It's one of the five gyres, Indonesia. So actually what I will add to that is the hotel needed to be designed only with materials that came from Bali and Indonesia wide. So very limiting in terms of its remits, but also that those parameters often like lead to so many innovations. So I think I really like a brief with type parameters because I often push them so yeah with that in mind like thinking about plastic we also looked at lava stone rattan, so many like native and local materials and the ways that they could be expressed Um, even migrant materials I would say plastic is a migrant material because it's just like washed up on the shore and the way that we process maybe something like plastic was shredded and it was into a fabric and then on another side it was like uh placed as like um roofing and ceiling kind of like insulation and then it was also made into furniture um so one material has so many versatile uses and so that's a huge translation exercise of like process lead but output lead you know the process leads to a really different application and experience of a material, much like how you can cook an ingredient and it often leads to a completely different textural and um, yeah, a textural experience like eggs. I will use eggs as an example. It can be poached, fried, baked, scrambled. That's how we work with materials. And so they have just a very different application or experience. And so hopefully that gives you some insight into like how that can actually be manifested.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I I like the translation you did with the eggs. (laughs) (laughs) That was a fun one. Um, This, so here we were speaking a lot more about like tangible materials, even with Lonali, I think like when it comes to like circular, we have something tangible to work with. And then when we think about some of the work I think Nicholas and Imad are doing, which are more in the creative, it's what does circularity or regeneration mean in, in cultural production? And in the work that we're doing, what does it mean to build communities that are circular and regenerative? And Nicholas, I think with Kalum, it was, you had a physical, you started the physical space in 2020. Yes, that's right yeah Um, i'm curious to hear from you what the role of physical space has meant or how has it differed because i think column existed even prior to that in some other forms so maybe hearing more about the role physical space has meant in building community and what does it mean in regenerative because you spoke about these examples of having an event that's helped connect diaspora that previously did not exist um, so, curious to hear more about what that's meaning for you all now.
4: Um, yeah, thank you. Um, uh, Calum um, found or Calum opened in 2020, February 18th. Uh, like, within uh, after one month, the COVID came. <laughs> um, so, it's a little bit difficult uh, to um, to work as we planned, because before we had a plan to start, um, we are fully funded by Goethe Institute, so we have a plan to start a language course with a side to um, support for our works uh, from that earning. So uh, till it's not happening because um, for the COVID issues and finding the teacher issues and so it's going on process works um till but till now the Gert institute supports for us to do our works the one thing and um uh, to working uh, before the column i am working with Goethe institute like a uh, like a freelance art manager with the jaffna community to uh, develop with the like i am working with the contemporary uh, artist and the contemporary um Photographers and uh, performers and the visual artists and all. So from that experience, I already have a connection with them, and uh, but they need a space or alternative space to work or to uh, meet and work and create their works and all. So we opened Calum. Uh, So um, our aim or our vision is to. Working like an alternative space in the art sector uh, in Jaffna. So uh, the um, I'll um, put some highlights of our um, recent projects. Uh, it will help you to understand about the Kalam's work in the cultural sector in Jaffna. Uh, one, um, we work with a photographer called Tamaval Intellection from Jaffna. Um, he is. Uh, He's a photographer and the Photograph Society is jeffna's founder, and he's working with um, alakado elephants and do a show for us at Callum, um, um elephants' uh, story. That's to, um, after it's a environmental uh, basic photographs how the elephants are uh, eat the dam and how that dam space or how that. Wastage space, make our society or uh, make the elephants ill and kill the elephants and change our environmental sector and all. So um, it's also like um, always photographers work with the um, aesthetic and the more cultural sites, but it's the alternative sites to working with the environmental photography. So we encouraged him to work. And the second one is, I already mentioned about that uh, cultural encounter projects with the online streams. And third project I'm um, going to uh, tell about, the Ahilan's Poems Show. It's a uh, poetry exhibitions. Ahilan is the well-known Tamil uh, short poem writer from Jaffna um he um i think he published uh, five books and he's a um, art historian and a little base uh, little based on the visual art uh, sector so he uh, always creates his poem with the visual uh, image or visual elements so he always always have that on that visual and he always have a image on that visual so um, he approached us to do a show with that images. So then we put together with a visual artist, uh, Prashant and the architect um, Austin and photographer collection and me all sit together with ahilan and got his ideas and his material and texture and all. We uh, built that exhibition uh, with the guidance of Ahilan and we did, it with, uh, we did that show. That's the uh, first uh, show in Tamil industry with a visual poetic visual exhibition in, um, in South Asian region. Um, and the fourth one I'm trying to mention about RNM. Um, Before I started to work with Callum, before I am working um, on 2014 onwards, I am working with uh, contemporary um, artists, those who are involved in the dance, and they took a part in uh, different dance workshops conducted by Goethe Institute. And then um, they have uh, such a knowledge and uh, such such a skills on them, but they don't have a space to perform or they don't have space to rehearse. Mm -hmm. So we are uh, are trying to put them together as a creative name called Aranyum. It's a contemporary dance group from Jaffna. They are starting to create their dance pieces with the the Achillin's poem. So they did a show at Callum in 2021, and they performed in last Columbus And they performed in um, Imad Kachakacha uh, Kacha Festival in two thousand twenty-one, and um, they performed in the uh, in the university's theatre festival and so and so. So, it's like uh, engaging the artist or um, um, they put some efforts for the contemporary artists to create their own pieces um, through some f- financial support and. Uh, um, mentoring and all. So uh, these are the main works. Uh, and the other one is uh, from the Jaffna or from our culture side, uh, normally people are not more supporting or more uh, working with queer uh, people. Um, so they don't have a, a safe space to meet and discuss their issues and do the workshops. And celebrate their weeks um, or their, week, so their um, meetings, and also um, we are trying to working with uh, two different networks from Jaffna. One is uh, transgender network, and other one is um, Sangam. Those uh, these two are the two uh, two groups are working together with Callum and we created. Uh, or we are also um, working as a venue partner for them for the festival um, 2021, and um, we gave uh, our space and um, and our um, technical support and our um, our um, all our helps to uh, do their meetings and do their festival at Calam. Uh, till now, we are uh, closely work with them, and yeah, these are the main words or uh, main encounters in our society by Kalam.
1: Yeah, that's, that's exciting to hear. And I think there's also this idea of, since at least me being based in Kalam, uh, being based in Kalam, usually this, the fact that Kalam exists as a body now, I feel like, is this it's opening up a lot more conversations of the different collaborations that can that can also happen between not just like artists usually in the general case it's like collaborations it's like coming into Colombo it's like Colombo is like the central thing for like all the festivals and things like that. But I think like having a space like Kalum also opens up the opportunity for Jaffna to then be inviting others into that space in, instead, you know, and making that the central conversation. And I feel like that also changes the dynamics in terms of how it otherwise works, in at least in a Sri Lankan space, in terms of where the larger events get hosted, which I think is exciting to see what that can lead to in different ways.
4: Yeah, we are also a little bit forwarding to work with all the artists from all around Sri Lanka and the Worldwide. Um, the last time you scope and uh, the residencies in Jaffna and like Aziz Asare and um, some other artists visited Kalam and shared their experience with the artists from, local artists from Jaffna and they showed their works and do the meet, meet the artist things and all. We are hopefully, we are um, trying to get uh, some other artists from South, from other region of, uh, world also to uh, mingle to our society and work or create with the co-productions things and all. I think future it will help us, especially our diaspora community people also,
1: yeah. Speaking of like the Tamil and the trilingual, I think Imad, that brings me to you in terms of being an artist and cultural producer in many ways that works across these three spaces. And I feel like that itself, when Seetal was speaking about being a translator, I feel like there's like many things to be translating in the role that you play in trying to bring people together. And then also figuring out like what makes sense in an event and how do you like balance all the different things in a trilingual space. I'm curious to hear when we think about inclusive communities or even Re, and in this space of, in today's conversation around like being regenerative in this space, what are the opportunities that you see arising at this trilingual space? Like what is the space that we have to tap on? Cause I feel like you're one of the few people, but you know, it would be like, like the more there are of these people in different pockets who are able to do this translation with that same like nuance, it would be interesting to see. And I feel like I want to hear more about what are the things that you need to balance in your position? And then, what are the opportunities that you're seeing that can be tapped into more?
5: That's a great question. Thank you. Um, yeah, I was also catching uh, what Sitar was saying about translation. Um, I think uh, things that I've learned is that um, translation is really difficult work, especially when you're talking about very literal language across these um, cultures that we have in Sri Lanka, you know, uh, the Malay language, for example, we kind of entirely forget about that, you know, and even Malay people themselves are not really, uh, there's a whole generation that's sort of losing language and in Sri Lanka, you have this sort of art world, that's the art world that connects with the rest of the world is so English focused and then within the local scene, you have more of a focus on um, uh, Sinhala uh, language, right? So I think um, what's interesting is being a part of a diverse group of artists like the Packard, which is also a space at which, you know, we have artists whose first language is Tamil, whose first language is Sinhala and such. And so we've learned just from trying to work collectively or collaboratively that, This idea of um, translating in itself is not really what's enough. Like, I think as artists, we have the privilege of being able to attempt to transcend language, right? So what does that sound like? What does that look like? What does it feel like when you have artists addressing that in Sri Lanka language is a root trauma? And it's a way in which communities have been segregated for a long time, at least since 1956. And there are these ways in which we just express our lived realities very differently within our own languages. And I think um, as artists, there's a lot of potential to try to bridge that. And I think for me, in terms of Puda's translation well, Um, I think the Museum of Modern and Contemporary Art Sri Lanka right now is really leading the standard for that because um, their approach just in and of itself of, you know, art history and spending years of research before they do a show, they also spend so much time working with translators and translators who are engaging with this art history and with the artist community. And I think uh, they've set a great example for how you can bring, like from their first exhibition, 100,000 Small Tales, you have a great example of how you can make intelligible these art histories that are coming from different communities in the country in these three languages and kind of help bridge that um, understanding. I think that was a pretty monumental exhibition, and it's great that that space exists. I think there's a lot of potential in, um, a lot of these community spaces tend to be quite hyper-local, like Kibka is very specific to a certain group of artists, and then Kalam is, of course, kind of, um, you know, uh, focused around uh, the people of its community, so I think as uh, you were saying, this idea of like uh, collaborations across these spaces, you know, between the north and the south, between the east and the west, and such. I think those through what we can learn from the MMCA in terms of facilitating translation, that's there, that's good. But I think there's also potential beyond just literal language, like. As artists, you know, there's so much we can communicate visually using um, uh, just motifs from our own like cultures as well that can have, I think, a regenerative potential. Like I interpreted regenerative more in the sense of like healing, which is why I was referring to language as a root trauma. So I think. Um, that's really necessary to, And I think conversation, collaboration, and care are key to that. And I'm interested in keeping those in mind in my own work and the projects I'm involved in and hope that uh, more people uh, kind of connect with that and engage with that.
0: Thank you.
1: Thank you for that this idea of what regeneration looks like in all these different spaces has been interesting when I was also thinking through this conversation because it changes so much when you speak about like regeneration as being healing, whereas then there's like in circular economy, what does regeneration looks like very different things, but thinking about how they might also all connect through these different
5: industries. I mean, if I may add to that, like if you're thinking of it simply in the terms of cultural production, right? look at what happened to the film industry the moment that the civil war broke out, right? We had parallel industries in the north and the south, you had parallel single and Tamil film industries, right? But the moment the conflict starts, single film production increases, right? And to some degree there are propaganda films and all of that, but like it's allowed to just continue producing, whereas Tamil film industry still hasn't really recovered. that right for the longest time we didn't we have like a handful of films that were made and there was only uh komali kings that came out a few years ago that kind of kick-started that thing you know tamil films it's mostly short films that we see coming out of here so i think um in terms of being able to regenerate, I think we're still like, even though we use the terms like post-war boom and such, there's still so much work to be done to get these creative industries working in parts of the country that otherwise were cut off from resources, you know, and being in conversation with each other.
1: Thank you for sharing that. I mean, yeah, I think that's a really important aspect when we think about regeneration. What does that mean? Um, and There's a few questions that are coming in from the chat, which I do want to bring in. Nicholas, this one's for you. It's asking, they're asking, how do you navigate cultural resistance you encounter when advocating for unconventional topics? I think, and they're saying similar to gender. I think maybe in reference to also the work that you all were doing with queer communities and maybe the transgender communities. How are you all navigating that? Or is there resistance? What does that look like in the work you all are doing?
4: Uh, before the calam, they already found uh, like a group. They are working as a group, like uh, Jaffna Transgender Network and um, Sangam. Uh, but um, they don't have a, a safe space to meet or celebrate their um, meetings or weeks or celebrate their festivals and all. Uh, they are. Like they they are always to hire a place in the hotel or some other areas and do their meetings, and they left. They never do the annually meeting or monthly meets together and discuss their issues and some not like that. So, um, like um, three years before, um, me and uh, Jan discussed about that. Uh, if we are opening a place in Jaffna, surely we will uh, always accommodate them uh, to do their workshops and discuss uh, about their prog- uh, problems and or um, to improve, uh, make their creativity or um, ask them to do their own uh, production on art field, especially from the sites. Um, like last three or four years, lots of outsiders to speak about them and uh, do the artworks or other um, write-ups and everything on behalf of them. Uh, Now only they are starting to do their own, uh, to write their own stories and do their uh, own performance and all. So uh, we are, we uh, now we are planning to develop their skills to uh, or developed or um, conducting some workshops and meetings and discussions to create their artistic work or create their stories through their artistic works to uh, perform or to narrate their stories. Um, It's ongoing works now I think within next two years or next three years, it will uh, have surely some outcomes from that source.
1: Thank you for sharing that. Um, The next question we have is Seetal for you. Uh, Do you interact with many creators from South Asia? And do you see a change in the way they integrate culture and circularity in the work? in a South Asian context versus maybe the other regions that you are working with? Is there anything
3: there that you have? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, Okay. So Mm -hmm. yes is the first response. Um, I do work with creatives in South Asia, uh, primarily in India right now. Uh, I work with a studio called Raw Material. They're based in Rajasthan. And they are based in a marble quarry. And so they have taken all the discarded pieces of marble, which are kind of left to one side and um, have been left unattended, but it's such a precious material. And to leave something like that of precious material that's been excavated from the earth and not put to use is a bit of a crime i would say and so the studio works with this material and makes pieces of furniture and also has well the furniture itself that's what they began with and i helped them launch that um internationally as well as like figuring out like how to have this conversation between first UK and India. And so the discarded pieces of marble are processed in a way where they like interlock with each other. So it's only marble and the sheer weight of it that actually holds everything together. So architectural joinery techniques they use. So it's purely marble that all of these pieces of furniture are made from, but they've gone even further with it. And again, this speaks to like forms of expression, much like the eggs conversation and the translation kind of conversation too. And they have built a farmhouse entirely from marble and just that. So all the bricks are made from marble. The dust that has been left behind uh, from processing the marble is the limestone. So the mortar of the building And then the flooring is polished marble, all the furniture is marble. Um, Everything has been kind of like finished and processed in such a way where it just offers you so many perspectives as to how marble can be like translated into space. And also like gets you to see how kind of versatile and expressive one material can be. And so, yeah, we're working on a number of things. So that's kind of a circular, this word circular is also a bit challenging for me. So I, I would kind of like, kind of question that as well. And for me, this idea of circular design, it, everything is just left in the system. It doesn't really have an output or like an input. So it's kind of always self perpetuating and like constantly repeating itself, this cycle. Whereas I feel like there needs to be an output and an input for things to like also have an end of life. So I feel like often that's not necessarily the case when it comes to circularity. So I think when it comes to design or like creation, there's always going to be an end of life and that's something that needs to be like integrated into the process and i would say like so that's just an aside that that's just me like kind of like timing into what circularity means um and i think there's many different systems that we can kind of work with that haven't been really like um kind of expressed in the public realm yet, but it's something that we're kind of currently working on amongst many other things. But yeah, there's multiples, multiple ways of working. And I think this idea of end of life is an integral um, component to it. But when it comes to your question of like, are there any differences between a south asian context in other parts of the world it's really hard to say um, specifically because i don't think i've spent enough time to be to be able to like really understand it in an embodied way and that's something that i feel uh, would be hard to comment on like generally uh, or more specifically but i being of Indian heritage, I can say like the philosophy and the mindset that is often kind of like attached to waste is valuable. Um, And so with that kind of, it's a philosophy for me. and, And I feel like if we're not considering something as waste, it has value. So again, it's like a a reframing of language because within a South Asian context, well, I'll say Indian, I can't even speak for South Asia as a whole region. I think that would be a bit of an injustice, but yeah, from like my perspective or my own personal experience, I can say nothing is wasted and everything is seen as valuable and that kind of has really informed my own practice and my own kind of like outputs as well as like what I offer within my own practice as well I think the spiritual element and perhaps the immaterial value is a really um, has really framed everything that I have done and that has come from like my own upbringing so like on a personal level I think that would be the biggest difference that i would see from like say the uk to somewhere like india um but again i would still need to like um experience more life in south asia so um i can maybe speak to that it's a conversation that i would love to have with more people there so yeah i'm
1: wondering as a I think we're also moving towards wrapping this up, but if there's anything in response to, I think what Sifal is also speaking in a Sri Lankan context, if that's something about upcycling and circularity in general, is it something that you've seen people already lean into in some ways? I think in a cultural context, like we are somewhat averse, like waste per se, even though we have a massive garbage, (laughs) <laughs> in waste issue in Sri Lanka, but at the same time I, I, I don't know I feel like I resonate with what Sita is saying as like a general practice that we have at least in Sri Lanka.
2: I, I, to add on to that, I think uh, I think we have it. It's just that if we, if we follow the trends and the mass consumption and all that we are, we are letting our philosophies and the traditions go away. Uh, so I think it's, it's time for us to take a step back and really value our, our, our you know, what we, you know, we, two, three generations back, definitely it was a part of your life. Uh, for us, it, you have to make a slightly an effort to be, uh, do that. Uh, but if you go forward, we, uh, we just, I want to ask the question, sometimes you, you think in a way the younger generation are more, uh, definitely more aware than us and they are, um, they're more active as well, because probably they are uh, uh, living uh, in it and they're feeling the consequences more than us. Uh, um, so maybe the next generation will actually change it too, but definitely it's, it's in us. It's just that we are letting it go. That's the sad part of it. True. Um,
1: in, with respect to time, I am going to bring this conversation to a close as we explored circularity and these ideas of regeneration in these different spaces in the creative industry. Um, I think some of the things I really like this idea of like translators that you brought out and I feel like in all our work you know I think in like Lonali even your work even in Nicholas work I feel like that's like an interesting terminology that works for all these spaces uh, and how we especially as like practitioners who are producing this. Um, So Emma, you were on, I'm gonna invite you in to help us wrap this conversation up.
0: Thank you so much, Olivia, and thank you um, to our speakers here, Imad, Sital, Lonali and Nicholas. Um, It's been a fantastic session Um, and really glad. There's so much that came out of it. Um, So we will also be posting the recording on our YouTube page. Um, it's on our Facebook Live. We'll be up on our podcast for you all to listen. And if you missed anything, I know our connection is everywhere these days, um, but I've dropped a feedback form in the chat here. Um, if you have anything, any comments, um, anything to share with us and our speakers here, we are happy to hear it. Um, and the link to register for our last session um, will be next Thursday. Um, so really looking forward to it. Um, Thank you again to our speakers here. Um, It was a really great session.